This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. On pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. You are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, so I hope you got that stuff. So far, I hope you're following along, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get into the history of this. Uh, and I'm going to go deeper than uh, most have gone before. So let's continue with this CBC News article. It says... Elon Musk's estimated net worth today is more than $150 billion U.S. Now, this article was written again in June 2021. You know, as of today, I have it up on the screen, they say Elon Musk is worth $223.2 billion. So uh, he added $80 billion. Oh, not, not a bad, not a bad increase in wealth in about a... Uh, a year and a few months, right? From $150 billion to $223 billion. All right, it says, Musk clearly done very well inside the price system his grandfather would have railed against, but Musk has not completely abandoned his technocracy roots. And folks, I, I would argue that uh, Musk operates within a technocracy, not necessarily the price system. I mean, we'll get into this with Jim, Right, but Elon Musk makes a lot of money for Tesla by selling the carbon credits, the carbon offset credits, and that's how he makes a lot of Tesla's money. So it's not really a price system. That's actually within the technocratic system, the original Technocracy Inc. system. All right, it goes on to say, Musk doesn't talk about a technate on Earth, but he has invested billions developing rockets to send people to Mars with the intent to colonize it. He wants to see a city of a million people there by 2050. In 2019, Musk tweeted, quote, accelerating starship development to build the Martian technocracy, end quote. Most of Technocracy Incorporated's ideas for the technate were neither practical nor achievable, but they raised at least two important questions that we're still grappling with today. One, how should governments respond when large numbers of people lose their jobs to automation? And two, how can representative democracy, with all its obvious imperfections, function effectively in a world where science and technology play an ever more dominant role? Okay, so 
here's the idea. The technocracy, uh, think of it as a collection of scientists, engineers, and uh, technologists, right? So the technocracy is responsible. This association of these engineers are responsible for the industrial boom. And they're responsible for all of the uh, equipment and technology that are replacing people from their jobs of yesteryear and of today. And so the solution that they're offering, whether back in 1933 or today, is more technology. So they've created a problem, right? They've provoked a reaction, and now they offer a solution. And, and the problem-reaction-solution situation is just an endless feedback loop. I've told you, every solution has 500 new problems. And so they run this over and over. But this is a big one because they create these problems through technology. They provoke a reaction, and then they offer a solution, which is allowing us to have more technology. Let us create a prison planet. And we're going to get into this stuff real deep. I could sit here and comment on that one paragraph for 45 minutes. I'm not going to do it. I am uh, trying to uh, contain myself here because I want to get out as much of this as possible for you. It goes on to say, in a speech to an American audience in 1963, Howard Scott, the founder and leader of Technocracy Incorporated, declared that, quote, as far as technocracy's ideas are concerned, we are so far left that we make communism look bourgeois. You got that? You got that. So the leader of Technocracy Inc., Howard Scott, who was Elon Musk's grandfather's boss for a while when he was the head of the Canadian Technocracy Inc. chapter, said that as far as technocracy's ideas are concerned, we're so far left that we make communism look bourgeois. You got that? You got that. It says, that may not have been the most effective recruiting slogan at the height of the Cold War, but Scott wasn't entirely wrong. Technocracy was far from the only protest movement to emerge from the economic collapse of the 1930s. Social credit in Alberta and the Cooperative Commonwealth Federation in Saskatchewan, the forerunner of the NDP, also attracted a lot of support. Some groups across the political spectrum had ties to European political movements. Some had charismatic leaders like Huey Long and Father Charles Coughlin in the United States. All right, so we're getting into this history here. All right, so the social credit in Alberta and the Cooperative Commonwealth Federation in Saskatchewan, the forerunner of the NDP, also attracted a lot of support. Okay, so this was what was happening uh, after um, the collapse of the uh, 1930s. So all of a sudden, all these protest movements started to emerge. So technocracy was one of them. Social credit was one of them. I believe that uh, Joshua Hadelman actually uh, was also involved in the social credit system as well. It goes on to say, but technocracy was a uniquely North American movement that may have been the most radical of them all. And in the depths of the Great Depression, hundreds of thousands of Canadians and Americans were prepared to embrace it. 
All right, no, this was very popular, folks. If you go back and you find old clips of this, and we'll work them into uh, the next show. I mean, some of this stuff looked as big as Trump rallies. So up on the screen now, you're going to see this picture of Howard Scott. And this guy, uh, he's got basically a gangster suit with one of those... Uh, overcoats with his arms inside the overcoat, you know, so it's just draped over his shoulders. He's carrying a black fedora. It's got a double-breasted jacket. Looks like a gangster. Got a haircut like me, <laughs> greased back, smoking a cigarette. And this guy was imposing, folks. He was six foot five. He was a chain smoker, so he had a very deep voice, very good for radio, very intelligent guy. He's actually known to have made up a lot of stories about himself. Very intelligent, and they would say not as smart as he wanted to believe he was, but he was also very intelligent. He kind of looks like a, like a Nazi uh, general in this photo. The article goes on to say, technocracy's ideology defies every uh, d- defies easy characterization. It was anti-capitalist and anti-democratic, but not fascist. It was anti-government, but not libertarian. It believed in a radical form of social and economic equality, but it was not Marxist, right? So it's it's its own thing. And and the more you read what comes from Howard Scott himself, the leader of this. It is very complicated. Essentially, what they were doing is offering an alternative to capitalism. And we're going to get into, hopefully this article does, but we're going to get into the theories behind it, the theory of uh, abundance and scarcity, and how Howard Scott believed that the system following you know, World War I was still operating under... Uh, scarcity instead of moving to an abundance model and so we were still under this price system which was then causing the great depression to happen and so what they were advocating for which was overthrowing this price system and capitalism and installing this idea this abundance system which i've explained to you where they control the technocrats control the means of production, the work schedules, they basically manage it all from the top down. Just giant, giant bureaucratic um, administration, but run by these techno-elites, essentially is what it is. Now, you see Curtis Yarvin and Peter Thiel uh, advocating for this techno-fascist king who would oversee the technocracy, but folks, it, it all is the same thing. It's management of the system by a select group of people. And so what they essentially wanted to do was remove this power or illusion of power by these representatives, by elected officials, and just concentrate that into the hands of unelected scientists and engineers. So they would be the new politicians, basically. It goes on to say it rejected all those ideologies because none of them accepted the idea that science and technology were transforming North American life. And that only highly trained engineers and experts were capable of building a, quote, new, end quote, North America. While other political parties and protest groups were touting plans for putting people back to work, technocracy response was, don't even bother. The world had changed and the jobs destroyed by machines were not coming back.
Before the Industrial Revolution, most manufacturing was done by hand, and there were never enough goods to go around. It was an economy based on scarcity. Now, machines could produce more than enough of everything for everybody with significantly less human labor. But this industrial system capable of producing abundance was being stymied by the price system, a pre-industrial scarcity-based construct ill-suited to a world where machines were replacing humans in the workplace. All right. Do you understand that? That's kind of what I was explaining before. So the whole idea behind their philosophy was that this industrial system, this uh, manufacturing and this production of goods was going to outpace humans. And so they wanted to create this new system in which they create a mass abundance of goods, and then they would distribute the goods to all the humans. I mean, if you don't see the parallels between what happened here in 1930s to what is happening today you're just not looking this is the same thing that elon musk peter thiel and the rest of these guys echo today except it has to do with artificial intelligence replacing humans in the workforce humans uh you know just as far as intelligence goes and so their solution is they are going to allow you to merge with the machine with artificial intelligence so that you can have access to superhuman power and thought superhuman brain power so instead of promising you that they're going to have amazon deliver all these free goods to your front door elon musk has actually promised that he's going to give you superhuman brain power that allows you to compete in this new technocratic transhumanist state and eventually we'll go further into the merger of technocracy and transhumanism because it actually all has to do with the same ideology of progressivism folks i'm going to progress to a short break my name is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, and this is pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, so I think you understand where this is going, right? So this idea that the machines were replacing the humans uh, in the workforce was going to lead to them having to rework how the current system, the price-based system they talk about, worked. All right, and again, it's the same thing we're looking at today, the same arguments we're hearing from Elon Musk and Peter Thiel. Now, what happened over the last 20 years? There was a rise in all of these STEM college students, the scientists, technologists, engineers, and mathematicians, right? And why do they need more STEM people? Because they need more scientists and engineers to run this system. This is why I say we are in a technocracy. It's in a state of a quasi-technocracy. There's still an illusion 
of representative government in this country. Other countries are going through this, right? So you take China. Uh, there was a point in China a few years back when 80% of the politicians were trained in engineering. Uh, many argue that technocracy was under the uh, Soviet Union. We'll get into that eventually. So here in this country, you still have this illusion of representative government. I would argue this. Uh, But you actually have a technocracy because the systems within the government itself are run by uh, bureaucrats, unelected officials, say like Dr. Anthony Fauci. And then on the outside, the government has outsourced Uh, many of the projects to the technologists and the scientists and engineers like Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, and others. And then those guys actually sell software and services and technology back into the government. So right now, you have the illusion of the public-private partnership when in reality it's actually one big technocracy. They're working together. We are being managed by the scientists and engineers as we speak. I mean, how much money flows how much creativity flows how much work flows through the internet well the internet is technology right that was created under arpa the precursor to darpa that's the government right there the state providing the foundation for technocracy all right let's take a look it says um at the heart of the price system was money it was What forced people to go into debt, break the law, become greedy, and engage in all kinds of other bad behaviors. But help was on the way. Now, don't ever forget that. That is so important. That is going to be the crux of the conversation with Jim from the Hotwire. I will read that again. It says, at the heart of the price system was money. It was what forced people to go into debt, break the law, become greedy and engage in all kinds of other bad behaviors. But help was on the way. What are we going through right now? What is being amplified right now? What is being orchestrated right now? People going into debt, right, under inflation. Coming out of COVID land, the high school theater production. People are breaking the law. All the crime is being amplified. It's been orchestrated. Cops are standing down uh, in certain cities. They're raising the amount, uh, total amount of money. You know, you could steal from a store, so you can steal $1,000 worth of goods and basically just get a traffic ticket, so that encourages more crime. Greed, right? What is it with politicians? We always talk about them being greedy, CEOs being greedy. Right, And then all these other bad behaviors, but help was on the way. And again, as we lift the veil on technocracy, which I actually think is the goal, part of the goal of the system is they're going to slow walk you into it. We're already doing this now, and this is all part of the fourth industrial revolution too. They're slow walking you into technocracy, but the goal is going to eventually be to tell you you're in a technocracy. Now, Howard Scott talked about in an interview i think back in the early 1930s this is something i'm going to review on this show the interviewer actually asked him you know but what about the people he said who cares what the people think we don't have to explain anything to the people if the people get access to the abundance of goods what will they care anyway isn't that what you wake up for and he said in uh, america's system 
we all fall to this idea of individuality and freedom and liberty, but people are just going to have to give that up. That's not going to be part of this system. All right, it goes on to say, quote, the march of technology with its increasing abundance will destroy every value of the price system, end quote. Scott declared in a speech in Sylvan Lake, Atlanta, um, of Sylvan Lake, Alta, during a Western Canadian, I'm sorry, this was in Canada, during a Western Canadian speaking tour in September 1939, quote, it is a clash between obsolescence and modernity, between technology and value, between science and chaos, end quote. All right, between science and chaos. Well, What did a large number of people run to in the last two and a half years under COVID land, the high school theater production, otherwise known as the Great Reset? They ran to the science. Trust the science. Trust the science. Trust the science. Right? Because they didn't want the chaos of people dropping dead everywhere, so they ran to the so-called science. The science that was actually creating the chaos. All right, it goes on to say, if this all sounds familiar, it's because doomsday scenarios about massive unemployment and social unrest caused by technological change have been around since at least the Industrial Revolution. So again, it's the technologist creating the problems and then offering the solution, which is more technology. It goes on to say, in the 1770s, when the use of the spinning jenny became widespread, many weavers who had been spinning cloth by hand from their homes lost their jobs. But the spinning jenny made it cheaper to produce cloth, which meant more people could afford to buy cloths, which meant many more of them were needed to work in the factories where the cloth cloth was now being produced. This has been the story of technological change up to now. The jobs that machines have taken, they have invariably given back in even greater numbers. The price system has proven to be much more resilient and adaptable than doomsdayers like Howard Scott had imagined. But today, as robots and artificial intelligence make ever deeper inroads into our offices and factories, the doomsdayers are back, predicting a tsunami of unemployment that will crash into workplaces like banks and law firms, which now have largely resisted automation. They fear this time the story will, in fact, be different right so that's what i just got done explaining to you so the technocrats are back now saying that ai and robots are going to take over all the jobs they're going to push people out of their jobs and so now they're back offering new solutions on the one hand you have musk and the others like ray kurzweil chief engineer at google talking about merging man with machine a concept called singularity that peter thiel backed we went over that on this show And that's how they're saying they're going to help you overcome the artificial intelligence. See, that's the transhumanist aspect of this. But on the other side, you don't see them necessarily offering technocracy as a solution. But that's because they've already done it. I've explained on this show, gig work uh, for the service industry, uh, creatives going to companies like Fiverr.com. Uh, taxi drivers, you know, all that stuff is concentrated under the gig industry. That's all service work. Uh, renting your home on Airbnb, doing podcasts, 
You have to go to one of the technocratic platforms. Uh, Putting out content on YouTube and such, TikTok, those are all controlled by the technocrats. So all of the production, all of the service you provide or the goods you provide, people are selling it through the technocratic platforms like Etsy, like eBay, like Amazon. It's all been concentrated under technology. And then they have the ability to punish you or penalize you by throwing you off the platforms, banning you from the platforms. Uh, They can take away your ability to actually sell in the marketplace. It goes on to say, according to a 2019 report by the UK research group Oxford Economics, around 1.7 million jobs have already been lost to robots globally since 2000. Even the people who have helped engineer the tsunami are worried. Exactly. I've said that on this show. A message to the uh, STEM grads. You guys are going to engineer yourselves out of existence. That is the plan. Quote, we are experiencing the greatest economic and technological shift in human history, end quote, declared Silicon Valley entrepreneur Andrew Yang during his unlikely run for the Democratic presidential nomination in 2020. Quote, we need a way to help millions of Americans transition through this period, end quote. And for those of you that don't know, Andrew Yang was endorsed by Elon Musk. So Andrew Yang's job was to introduce universal basic income, a tenant of technocracy, into the American lexicon and to normalize the idea amongst our youth, who were the big supporters of the so-called Yang Gang, that they were going to be replaced by robots and artificial intelligence. So he made that widely accepted. All right. It goes on to say Yang's solution was a $1,000 U.S. a month universal basic income. It's an idea that has gained considerable traction among Silicon Valley engineers and entrepreneurs in recent years, even among those who are usually opposed to any kind of expansion of government. At the World Government Summit in Dubai in 2017, Elon Musk, who constantly wages war with agencies trying to regulate his cars and rockets and whose plan for fully autonomous vehicles could cost millions of jobs, expressed his support for a guaranteed basic income. I won't get into that now. He rails against them. Yeah, right. He is partnered with them, folks. Elon Musk makes his money on Tesla off of trading and selling his carbon credits to other companies and then he gets tax subsidies for every car that he sells as far as regulating his rockets go he has more contracts for the government than anything else that actually fund his rocket companies all right this guy was backing andrew yang to tell you that you're going to lose your job to his robots and ai but don't worry they're going to give you a thousand dollars a month that's who elon musk is That's the truth about Elon Musk. It goes on to say, quote, mass unemployment, end quote, will be a, quote, massive social change, end quote, Musk warned. He didn't warn anything. He was just telling you what's going on, echoing words that his grandfather likely uttered many times. Musk concluded, quote, there will be fewer and fewer jobs that a robot cannot do better. With automation will come abundance, end quote. So there's Musk echoing the words of a Howard Scott and his grandfather, Joshua Hadelman, who was the head of the Canadian arm of technocracy Inc. And I'm pointing this out to you folks because now you will know the truth 
of Elon Musk. I, I get people all the time that are writing me. But do you really think he's bad? I mean, it all depends. Bad is in the eye of the beholder, folks. That's up to you to decide. I'm just telling you what he is. Now, if someone says to me, is someone bad? I mean, what does that mean? Does he not like me? Does he not love me? Of course he doesn't love you. Elon Musk does not care about you. So in that sense, then he is bad. What he is proposing, merging you with machine, is not about loving you or humanity in general. He does not love humanity or he would not be working to engineer humanity out of existence and put the ones who do live under a prison planet technocracy where you work for the system and they supply you with goods based on an energy credit system. Folks, I'll be right back. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 